hello there. My name is Jared Taylor. Welcome back to the Flow State Performance Podcast. We've got an absolute cracker of a show for you today with the beautiful Trisha Eastman, the founder of Psychedelic Journeys. Before we get there, I just wanted to tell you an exciting announcement. So as you know, I'm the founder of Flow State. We create mind-expanding experiences for visionary entrepreneurs and purpose-driven businesses. So just to give you a bit more context around what we do, just to keep you updated on the flow state path. So we identify up and coming game changers, thought leaders, rule breakers, disruptors of the status quo, and we help them develop into visionary entrepreneurs and pioneering CEOs who are making an impact on the world for the greater good. It's my philosophy, it's my belief that the confluence of exponential technologies Uh, entrepreneurship and consciousness expansion is what is going to make a difference in this world. It's what is going to create the world our hearts know as possible. And that's my calling. That's why I support entrepreneurs who are on the inner path. So, exciting announcement. Drum roll, please. We have a new academy a new mastermind a new inner circle launching very soon called flow state x it's launching in the next few weeks flow state x is a mastermind for visionary entrepreneurs or those stepping up as visionary entrepreneurs it's a place it's a it's a gathering it's a mastermind it's an inner circle it's a tribe where entrepreneurs can receive the coaching but also the accountability and also the inspiration to continually level up the visions, to continually refine, elucidate the visions, to expand the visions, and of course, to get to that stage of executing and achieving the vision. How do we do this with Flow State X? Well, there's a trifecta of amazingly powerful uh, sources of transformation. The first one is the coaching that I lead. This is what I do in my life. I coach uh, tech founders who are on the inner path. The second part is community, surrounding yourselves with fellow visionaries with fellow uh, eagle spirits who hold a big vision of the world and flow. You surround yourself with visionaries, you'll start to level up as a visionary. The third thing is transformational experiences. Every year we go on flow quests. Some of these quests involve psychedelic immersions, shamanic practices, altered states, plant medicines. Some of these uh, quests involve deep meditation, deep nature connection, uh, learning energy cultivation practices, learning communication techniques, learning all the skills that you need as a modern-day founder to thrive in a volatile and uncertain, complex and ambiguous world. You really need to develop a complete range of inner skills that you do not learn at Y Combinator and you will never learn at, at Harvard or any sort of university or accelerator program. This is really the inner school of mastery. One of my friends called it the high-tech Hogwarts for uh, visionary entrepreneurs. And in a sense, it is. You're going to be learning really potent and cosmic powers to train your consciousness, to manifest the reality that you desire, to harness your energy, to uh, become far more than a thinking mind, to become far more than uh, a laptop on a body. This is, we take our clients and we develop their multidimensional intelligence systems, their sense of intuition, their sense of instinct, their feeling intelligences. And once you start to couple your feeling intelligence with your thinking intelligence, you begin to learn about your true potential as a human being. And that's a little bit about what we're going to discuss in this week's podcast. So I'm interviewing Trisha Eastman or having a chat with her. She is the founder of Psychedelic Journeys and a pioneer in the psychedelic renaissance. 
that is going on right now. She has a mission to inspire others to become their own inner alchemists. And she studied Eastern philosophy, Tantra, biohacking, herbal medicine, mind-body integration, meditation, shamanism. And she's gone deep into facilitating some of the most powerful plant medicines and entheogens on this planet. She's facilitated over 500 5-MeO DMT toad ceremonies, which if you don't know is probably or definitely the most powerful psychedelic on the planet. And she has worked with Iboga, uh, serving Iboga, which is probably the second most powerful psychedelic on the planet. And she's been very deeply organized in other sort of plant medicines, servings and ceremonies and helping addicts, working at healing and addiction trauma centers to help uh, people in trauma to heal through the conscious and skillful application of these medicines. So today we're going to get into exactly what they are and how they help and geek out a little bit on some neuroscience and some flow state theory um, on how these plant medicines intersect with what we know of the brain and why it's so profound, the states of consciousness that we can achieve through these plant medicines and what they mean in our everyday life, how we can sort of contextualize uh, this practice of journeying with psychedelics into a modern day life. Um, how meditation um, intersects with this, how living a, a, a life in, aligned with nature, how authenticity intersects with this path. It's all about potential. And the simple fact is, is that you're either playing small or you're playing your biggest game possible. And if you're playing small, you're living in fear. You're living through the lens of your ego. You're probably affected by the trauma and the conditioning that happened to you as a child. That's just the way life is. And if you haven't gone through a process of consciously dismantling some of the uh, programs, some of the conditioning, and addressing some of the trauma that you potentially received during your life, then there's absolutely no way that you can understand what your true potential is. And that's what this conversation is all about. Buckle up, guys. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Flow State Performance Podcast. I'm here with Trisha Eastman. Thank you so much for joining me, Trish. Hi, so awesome to be here and just so grateful. Um, you know, we've connected on many levels, had our fun adventure in Costa Rica <laughs> together at the Superhero Academy, and now it's fun that we're going to be flowing together one-on-one. <laughs> That's right. I'll, I'll share I'll share for the audience the, our little synchronistic story because it's a beautiful way to, to frame how we're having this flowing dialogue right now. Um, so it was something like day three or day four at, at the Envision Festival in Costa Rica and I had just pulled an all-nighter and gone surfing um, and then stumbled back to the camp. And it was, I was listening to a few of these talks and I was like, oh, wow, this is amazing, just lying on the grass listening to these people talk about wonderful things. And I picked up the program and I saw, I think, I think, you're, I think the talk was called The Quantum Paradigm of Flow States. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I picked it up. And in, a mo- and, and in this particular moment in time, I was a little bit, you know, altered in, in my consciousness. And I, and I seriously thought, oh, I've registered f- to do a talk and completely forgotten about it. Awesome. <laughs> 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 I, I seriously thought, I was like, and I was racking my brain thinking, when did I sign up for this? Because the co- it's, just, it's just too much of a title that I would choose for it not to be me. And so, and so I went up to the stage to see Mark, Mark, uh, Mark Angelo and, and David Weber. And I was like, hey, guys, is this me? And they're like, oh, no, no, this is Trisha. But she uh, 
couldn't make it today. She she had to leave. And and I'm just in that moment, it was just all just flowing together too synchronistically. It was just like, um, I think I should do this talk. <laughs> and they were like, perfect. So I only had like 10 minutes on the stage and I kind of just, I hope I did you proud. But, uh, but I basically just mostly talked about how um, living in the flow of life opens up opportunities and new emergences. And um, part of this path, this practice, this opportunity is to kind of just say yes to stuff. And that was kind of the theme of the thing. So it's beautiful to, uh, to have you here to tell you that story and to, and to share, this, share this dialogue with you. <laughs> yeah, such an honor. And I have to say, the funny part of the story was that the minute I saw the schedule, which was the day that I arrived and I knew I was leaving a day early from the end of the festival, I looked over at my boyfriend and I said, that's really interesting that they put me on the wrong day. I don't think I'm supposed to do that talk. <laughs> and so it was just really hilarious to hear from you afterwards. Yeah. It yeah. was meant for you. It was meant for me. That, that, that was my moment. Thank you for creating that moment for me. Uh, yeah. That's beautiful. So, Trisha, just uh, introduce yourself, if you could be so kind, for, for our audience um, so they can understand, feel into a little bit about you and your work. So um, I have been working as a medicine woman for about four years now. I've kind of been in the states of healing, wellness for, you know, going on 12 years. Um, and interestingly, stumbled into the medicine path because I worked at a clinic in Mexico um, where we did treatments for people with heroin addiction using a, a psychoactive substance that's derived from a plant from Africa called iboga. So this particular substance called abogaine um, treats heroin addiction, but it's also a really powerful psycho-spiritual plant medicine, actually one of the most powerful. And in working with this and never having a plan, being um, invited by the owner of the clinic to facilitate, um, and then getting introduced to another medicine from the Sonoran Desert Toad, uh, 5-MeO-DMT from the Bufo Alvarius Toad, um, it, it initiated my, my journey in the path of this medicine work. So since then, I've been putting together retreats to bring together amazing people uh, and just really share the medicine and allow people to really dive into themselves and really find their truths. Because I truly believe that... Um, you know, each person has their own unique path, their own unique flow. And so I feel like that these psychedelic medicines really hold up the mirror to allow everyone to live in their highest potential. And so I'm just grateful to be uh, helping along the way for those individuals. It's such a gift. Beautiful. So it, I find it fascinating that you arrived into this path um, through the root of addictions, helping human beings with, with addictions. Um, it's, it's one of the, the saddest things in our culture is, is, is the grip that these addictions have. And, and there seems to be, particular with iboga, there seems to be a profound connection between healing from addictions and these medicines. Can you talk to us a little bit about how that, how that works? Yeah, I mean, there's actually two different things. Um, and since we're talking about flow here, I'll touch on the flow aspect as well. So with addiction, addiction is really this idea of seeking outside of 
oneself for soothing, for usually some form of suffering and pain. And um, a lot of that pain and suffering that causes addiction is core trauma that's occurred when someone is between the ages of zero and seven. So between the ages of zero and seven, uh, one is in a almost programmable hypnotic state. And that's what basically drives the subconscious behavior. The subconscious behavior, whether we want to believe it or not, it actually dictates 98% of our decision-making process. And so what happens is um, these core traumas are literally driving our behaviors. And so we have to go back to the state at which they were created. These psychedelic medicines specifically turn the conscious and the subconscious upside down so that one can go in and in that state able to kind of prick out those individual things. And, and it's not like they get to selectively choose for those that don't have a lot of experience in those states. It's usually whatever's most relevant or the intention that that person is coming in with that kind of dictates what what pieces you would be working on. So that's the that's the side of it related to specifically the neurotransmitters of the dopamine system. So the addiction aspect of it is very closely related to the dopamine uh, receptors, and the dopamine receptors is like that response and reward. So it's the same thing that dictates social media addiction, sex addiction, food addiction, all of it is all the same. Now, we're coming more into awareness of addiction, and there was recently a study done, and I'm forgetting the, the doctor that published this, uh, called the Rat Park Experiment. And they put rats in the cage by themselves, which was like the common way of researching was to put a rat in and then put some water and then put some water with some cocaine or some other mm -hmm. psychedelic addictive substance in. And then they would see, okay, does the rat go for the cocaine or do they go for the regular water? So this particular um, researcher put together the ultimate rat paradise. Like you know, slides and, and a bunch of rats together and little tunnels and all kinds of toys that they could play with. These rats also were exposed to the regular water and the cocaine water and were not interested in the cocaine water at all. So to say that, okay, so when you think about community and family and connection, that's very deeply connected to the serotonin. And the serotonin, specifically 5-HT1A and 5-HT2A serotonin, serotonin receptor sites dictate the psychedelic experience because all mystical and transcendental experiences happen through that gateway. And that's like that, that feeling of transcendence, which is also connected with flow states. So um, when you look at it on one side of the coin, um, us being in community, us being connected is just as important as clearing the trauma i think both are important so mm, beautiful thanks for explaining the connection there between um childhood programming that very interesting hypnotic state between zero and seven where a lot of the deep conditioning occurs and these medicines that help to give us this acute and subtle awareness of of, of some of these patterns that's certainly been the case in my experiences um, a lot of the the healing that I've done around um, very early childhood trauma um, 
has literally been through working with plant medicines and and just getting this unbelievably powerful opportunity to to journey through time and to gain new levels of empathy for myself and compassion for myself and for all the actors in in my life now mm-hmm. where let's talk a little bit about let's talk a little bit about the different medicines that that you have experienced with just to contextualize for the listener um, to sort of get some sort of like separation between them. Um, I think that would be very useful. So, so some of the things, some of the medicines we've talked about so far are 5-MeO-DMT that come mm-hmm. from the toad that's found in the Sonoran Desert. Um, mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about that one, please. What, what's sort of like the, um, I guess, the, the magic or the spirit, the, 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 the particular gift of that medicine? So the 5-MeO-DMT, in my opinion, is the most transcendent experience you can have in terms of psychedelic or psychoactive experiences. And it's main, uh, the main, um, you know, I guess you could call it ingredient in there is pure 5-MeO-DMT. 5-MeO-DMT is endogenous to the body. So it's made in the lungs, in the spine. And what it does is it creates a feeling of non-duality. So this feeling of dissolving or becoming one, like the drop merging back into the ocean. So becoming one with what some people might call source energy. And um, what's remarkable about this medicine, um, it does come in a synthetic. It also can come from different plants. But the, the, the particular one that comes from the toad is actually from the glands of the toad. And these toads, um, it's a venom, and it's dried and vaporized, so it's smoked. But these toads, they are in a meditative state for 10 months out of the year, hibernating underground. And they only come up during night. And they only come up during the rainy season, which is the months of July and August. So what's really beautiful about this particular medicine is that um, if you look at uh, Montauk Chia, he has a, a retreat center in Thailand, and they do these 10 to 21 day retreats where you go in the dark for that period of time, and you actually produce what's called a tryptamine cascade effect of pure 5-MeO-DMT in your own body. So you can be like the toad and go hibernate for basically, you know, meditate for uh, 10 to 21 days and have that same effect. You don't necessarily need to smoke the toad venom to get it. It's It's made in our bodies. Amazing and and darkness is is such an interesting thing. I, I was thinking about the um, the Kogi in Colombia, mm. who, who have that particular um, group of people, like the 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 people who are chosen to be their holy men or their medicine men, are, yes. are, are basically they grow up in complete darkness until I believe they're eighteen years old or some or something like that when they mm. when they when they come out. So like the, um, yeah, the effect of darkness is a, is, is a really interesting thing. So, so are you saying that there's, that there's an absolute uh, scientifically proven connection between darkness and the endogenous release of DMT? Yeah, absolutely. Um, melatonin is a precursor to DMT. Okay. Okay, interesting. What, what are some of, whilst we're talking about endogenous DMT, um, 
What do you know about um, other pathways to releasing this endogenously? There's, in my experience, you know, there's, I do a lot of breath work. Um, there's a lot of people in breathwork communities who talk about endogenous DMT release. There's a lot of talk about on, upon birth, dying. Um, it's very interesting that DMT is, in the, is produced in the lungs, so there's definitely some sort of connection there. But what, what, have, you, what have you discovered about, um, I guess, optimizing life for its endogenous release? Um, there's so many different ways of producing altered states. Um, Stanislav Graf has done a lot of uh, studies on shamanic drumming, holotropic breath work. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other, you know, even flotation tank therapy by removing external stimuli, you start to go into that state. And what's interesting also is once you've activated that in yourself, just like these meditators that we were talking about earlier that's, that have had a regular meditation practice, you know, such as living in a monastery for a period of time, they naturally are accessing yes. that 5-MeO-DMT. So um, a lot of times when, when we talk about reactivations, which could happen whether you work with the toad venom or any other state, and a reactivation is when you spontaneously drop into gamma without any external um, you know, mecha- mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be, um, usually it happens when you start to drop into that restful state, like right before you fall asleep is the most common, but it can also be stimulated um, by flotation tank therapy, meditation, acupuncture, any of those um, states mm-hmm. can actually induce the release mm-hmm. of, of your natural 5-MeO-DMT. Yeah, I, I, love, I love the way you describe, it's almost like we carve ourselves out of groove or we, just, just the way anything in life, um, the path of practice and um, creating familiarity with something uh, creates this cumulative long-term learning effect. And um, I think it's wonderful to recognize that there's so much that we can do in our, in our daily life to actually um, so, 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 so to remove this reliance from the actual venom, from the actual medicine, but to actually use these medicines as a gateway that we walk through a few times, which enables <laughs> us to have the the remembering of the gateway that we can walk through without the need for the medicine, I think is a a beautifully empowering thing Um, because it helps to really cut the cords of what some people, some people are putting all these medicines in the same category as some sort of addictive drug. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's one of the really harmful patterns that I'm, that I'm seeing out there at the moment. Um, Let's let's quick let's continue our, our circle around the the medicines that you have familiarity with and love for. Um, let's move on to iboga. Um, can you give us a, a little bit of a download in terms of what it is, where it comes from, what it what the message of the medicine, the wisdom of the medicine, really is for you? So iboga is from um, Africa, from an area called Gabon, which is Central Africa, and the um, keepers of this medicine are called the buiti. And the buiti um, breaks up into probably about 52 different branches, but can be even more than that. My familiarity with the medicine is through one of the original branches called Dasumba, and then another one of the original branches called Misoko. And um, in this work, um, it's the, the first initiation 
which they usually call it breaking open the head, is where they, you consume very high quantities of this root. And this root is um, basically the it's found in the base of the shrub. And the shrub, they, they actually cut off the first layer of the root, and it's the in-between layer of the root and the actual kind of internal parts of the root that is where the, the medicine is. And it um, these journeys last anywhere from 24 to 48 hours, usually in a traditional psycho-spiritual setting. I would say the length of a peak experience, like the most intensity, is about eight hours. But um, many people don't sleep for periods of 24 hours. But you're usually in kind of a healing cocoon where it's like this very calm, peaceful, meditative state. When you um, what this medicine does, and it's interesting because when I was at the um, International Abogaine Conference, there was a scientist who took a picture of the body's energy field and how powerful it is at healing the, the energy field. And what happens is while you're on the Abogaine, it, um, or Iboga, which Abogaine is the pharmaceutical, um, it's a concentration of the alkaloids meant to reset the opiate and dopamine receptors for opiate addiction. Um, but when you when you look at these pictures, what happens is the entire aura of the body, which is where we get a lot of information, you know, we get we get so much of our senses from just this energy field around our body. And it goes completely inward. Like like you can't even like send like I I remember one time I was um experimenting while I was coming off of a journey to see if I could send energy and um it wouldn't let me like the medicine like blocks you from from sending energy like I don't know if you're familiar with Reiki like mm -hmm. Reiki type healing energy mm -hmm. um it just keeps everything 100% inward mm -hmm. and so what happens is you have to literally face everything and once you go through and many people um, get what's called a life review where they even see a screen pop up and they'll have a review of all these things that have happened in their life and the medicine can even um, sometimes explain what was the cause of something that you know maybe maybe the person thought it was something that was their fault, but really it's something that happened in the womb when they were, you know, just gestating. And, and then they realized that it happened. Like for me, for instance, I had um, eating disorders and I went to the clinic um, talk when, before I started working there, um, I talked to Martine Polanco, the owner, and I was like, I wonder if this would help uh, eating disorders. And so he decided to kind of do a little experiment with me and it worked. And it showed me, the medicine showed me in, in the womb. And what happened was my mom's mom died. My grandmother died a month before I was born. And my mother, um, was very sad from it, but she didn't feel like she could experience the grief from it because she had this new child coming into the world. And so her body's response to the grief was that she didn't make breast milk. And so I ended up not breastfeeding as a child and I ended up allergic to soy and dairy and all these things. And so the whole time I'm thinking I'm trying to cure this eating disorder that had to do with self-esteem when I was 10, but really it was something that happened in the womb. So basically a boga goes into 
all of your trauma. And then once you've cleared that, you get, you get to go into the spirit world. And in the spirit world, um, you can talk to ancestors. You can talk to your soul and get the answers to your deepest soul questions. And I've never experienced a medicine that was so powerfully healing for the body. There were points in my journeys that I experienced, it felt like there was almost like a little chisel in my brain, like chiseling out all the calcification. Um, mm. And afterwards, colors were brighter, smells were brighter. And, and I'm not just talking a little bit, like significantly, like everything in life felt like it was in technicolor. And so I really do believe that this high level of awareness, um, interestingly, um, I think even over history, these people that ask, accessed really high levels of consciousness uh, did it through boga. And even in my journey, um, and this is something that other um, people that I've trained with have mentioned that um, that they believe that it was actually boga that gave the Egyptians the information to be able to build the pyramids. Mm. Yeah, interesting, interesting, and. Uh... Yeah, I've heard I've heard um, about this substance called soma over in India, which is uh, no longer. Well, it was it was it was it was thought to be extinct, but it's mm-hmm. it's it's a substance that's referenced in some of the most ancient scriptures, the Vedas, and um, yeah, just recently a friend of mine called Julian Palmer has uh, potentially found it <laughs> growing in in, wow. parts of, uh, in in growing in parts of thailand and so he started holding circles um with this medicine and so, and so the only sort of benchmark is to cross-reference the experience with the way that the experience is being talked about in these ancient texts that, that's mm-hmm. an amazing thing and what you're talking about here is is like tapping into the spirit and cross-referencing it with what we can now understand to be the, uh, this amazingly complex, deep, sophisticated um, civilization of ancient Egypt. It's just a mind-blowing <laughs> kind of thing, isn't it? It's- it really is. I mean, just the the idea of historians are still baffled today oh. at at, you know, what this was, you know, what some of the pieces, some of the technology that they were using, they don't even know what it was. I, I, I really feel like in, in, in 50 years time or less, there'll be this like branch of archeology, span which is like psychic entheo archeology span or something. And, yeah. and, and it's, and it's going to be this blending together of like, you know, digging with little hammers to dig stuff out and, and also like going deeply into, into, um, multidimensional worlds to, to, to vision. Uh, what's what's happening to communicate on that level I think that could be a beautiful thing that starts to happen especially when you think about the around Tulum and the, and the Mayan areas and they're finding out all these underground areas and things like that which no doubt have been built by people who are experiencing profoundly transcendent states to understand yeah. to understand what these people are doing, surely it stands to reason that we, the the explorer, the modern day explorer, must also be in similarly transcendent states. To if we really want to decode this. Oh thing. yeah, I mean, many people that um, you know have you know been connected to the lineages and our ancient wisdom say that we have lived in for a long time in an age of ignorance. 
And we're now finally reconnecting to that. And interestingly, there was some evidence found in Mexico, some toad skulls found in these Mayan temples. And there's many statues in these Mayan temples that show um, little spirals around the sides of the throat of a toad statue, which is where the glands are located. So it's like pointing at it like this is a portal here. And so I don't know how they were able to vaporize it and smoke it. But then again, if they had access to that, they probably had some really amazing way of doing it. <laughs> totally, totally. I'm sure they did. So we've spoken about um, Iboga and, and the toad which I believe are, are two of your primary teachers and, and healing modalities. Um, yeah. do, do medicines like ayahuasca and um, wachuma, peyote come into the, the spectrum for you personally? Absolutely. Um, I have a teepee in my backyard and um, in the Native American church tradition in the United States, you're actually able to do ceremony as long as you have a minister from the from the church doing the doing the, mm -hmm. the ceremony. And so um, we've done quite a bit. I don't personally carry that medicine. Um, but I, but I have a lot of wisdom and I'm very connected to it. And my experience with the peyote medicine is that it is the ultimate balancer and integrator. Mm -hmm. And it truly is the teacher, the father teacher that, that gives us the lessons around how the universe works, how the cosmos works together. And there's a very, um, particular, at least in the, the, like, uh, North Dakota, you know, the, the Lakota Sioux tradition. Um, there's a very specific way of doing the ceremony and that particular, um, way of doing it has a specific alchemy and that alchemy is part of the ceremony and it includes the medicine drum, which is made of the deer skin, which, uh, replicates the heartbeat of the mother. It's the shape of the cylinder of the teepee, which makes the spiral of life, the ascending spiral of life. It's the representation of the fire, which is the representation of the, the, the symbolism of the sun. And connecting to that fire is about connecting to your soul essence and connecting to the, the, the archetype of the father. And then right above that, they do a moon, usually made out of white sand, which represents the mother. And so I feel that each song in the journey is a prayer. And so each of the prayers is designed to kind of create that opening and that healing within the community of all the people sharing in that circle together. And every person, when they are um, passing around the drum has an opportunity if their spirit calls them to share a song and they know a song. And when they do, it truly is the medicine moving through them. And you can, you can experience it as that. And the thing that I love about the peyote medicine is that in the experience, you are fully present. You sit up straight the whole night. You're not like closing your eyes, going off on some journey, but you are on a journey. And even when in the, in the ceremony, um, you know, sometimes people, they call it getting well when someone purges, everyone can feel the release of that energy. It's like, you're just like, ah, you know, um, it's like, we're all doing healing for each other. And so you can just see that connection of the web of life mm -hmm. within, um, that little microcosm of the, of the mm -hmm. macro. 
Beautiful. Yeah, I, I just did my first traditional peyote ceremony just in, in Costa Rica, just um, mm. at the end. Um, it was really hard, you know, like uh, mm. in a beautiful way. But look, I had just come off the back of a festival um, <laughs> and, and then I spent the whole day um debarking wood and i and and then i when we by the time we arrived in this place i was in a state of physical exhaustion and mm. and then to sit upright in this respectful position of presence um all night long was was one of the most challenging things i've ever done in my life you know yeah. like just every single cell in my body wanted to lie down and, and sleep and and but it took me to the edge of surrender and yeah and and, it, and i remember seeing the first f- bits of like fading of light in through the through the hole in the top of the teepee and i saw dawn was coming and i just i, I collapsed i i i went to i i asked for help from the facilitator i asked for help and <laughs> and he, he he hugged me and i just like broke down and just like all of the holding on that i'd been doing I like reached this point where it was just like, like the dam <laughs> broken. I was just like, just releasing, 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 releasing. And it, and it, it, it allowed what was to come The the whole of the, the rest of the morning, the flower blessings, the, the, yes. the bathing in the, in the sacred water. It was just profoundly beautiful, mm. um, profoundly beautiful. So it was a, it was a new type of, for me, a, a new type of, um, being taken to the edge of surrender, you know, mm. that, that kind of like warrior um, masculine kind of like, we're going to hold, we're, we're holding this, that, that, that was yeah. a new, a new sort of like taken to the edge, but isn't that, isn't that wonderful? The, the, how by working with these medicines, we get this, we, we really learn so much about surrender. Yes. It's, and, and I'm laughing as you're sharing the story because every single one of my, ceremonies that I've done it's an insane amount of work that's why there isn't ones happening every weekend you know there's other medicines that are a lot more popular because it's a lot of work and and I think the beauty of that surrender is this idea that you don't have to do it all and it's not you doing it all and and just when you allow Um, I remember just at points being so exhausted and being the person giving the flower blessings at the end and just being like, I have to show up for this. This is so important. And just letting spirit move through me, letting the medicine move through me and do the work versus, you know, that idea of, oh, I'm doing this or I haven't slept for two days. How can I be doing this right now? It's just like getting out of the way. Mm -hmm. That's what surrender is all about. Totally, totally, yeah, yeah. I've learned. I, I was on a Wachuma ceremony, uh, two ceremonies um, in two consecutive days, just just on the weekend that's just gone. And I had such an initiation into into surrender, something that you spoke about before we started recording today. Um, and we'll, we'll get on to we'll get onto this topic of uh, gamma frequencies and things like mm-hmm. that, but. Um, I learned so much about higher levels of giving and therefore higher levels of receiving. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, there's, there's, you know, concepts and, and I can't wait to explore this because concepts like gratitude um, can almost become 
cliched and almost like just like tokenistic in, in a way mm-hmm. like oh, I'm, I do my gratitude practices but there's a level these medicines teach us what it's actually all about beneath the words like getting to the heart frequency of it and this level of surrender I realized was our highest gift to life it's like what the earth is our mother she's continuously giving to us everything Mm -hmm. that we need in abundance and what are we giving back if we're not giving all of ourselves in full complete total surrender what 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 are we what are we giving back to the mother if we're holding back something you know through Mm -hmm. resistance through holding on and that landed so profoundly deep within me I was like oh man there's like this this changes this changes everything. This 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 allows me to understand the shamanic path, the medicine woman's path, the medicine's man path, as as like the ultimate life in flow because it's the ultimate life in service to life. Like there's yes. every everything is in service, is in giving, is in yes. is in uh, contributing to that cycle of of giving and receiving. And it's, yeah. So I honor you for walking that path. Mm, And I honor you for walking that path too. Mm. And I would say that the, the, when you get on the medicine path, like truly, like it's not about whether you're serving medicine or whether you're, you know, doing the work. It's really about this, this path of purification and um, truly stripping away everything to just really be in that state of emptiness to be a vessel for mm-hmm. this beautiful energy that wants to move through us and so you know in this work i find it's even harder to go back to old patterns once you make that choice because the repercussions are always so strong it's like oh my gosh i I can't choose those old behaviors and those habits anymore. It's like my body reacts to it. My, you know, it's like in so many ways. And so, um, yeah, once you, once you true choose your true self and to honor your true self, it's, yeah, you can't turn back. It's just, you know, you're just on that path. And that's the really, truly fucking terrifying thing for so many people. You yeah. Know? which is crazy in a way but it's the attachment that people build up to their non-true selves so therefore the idea of like having an experience that disconnects them with 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 that projection which Mm -hmm. has created the life around them the relationships that they have the job that they have the house that they're living in has been created by this projection and then Mm -hmm. potentially and then the idea of like having experiences that shatter that and it's it's ironic in a way. It's like how how can that possibly be scary? It's the the idea of coming home, but but but, but yeah. yet it really is because of the level of unfamiliarity with that. Yeah, I mean the way I see it is that if you're not doing that, you truly are playing small. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that in any way that would offend, but really that if you if you are grasping for the old self or these patterns it's it's because you're getting something from it and that thing that you're getting from it is either control or accountability 
because if you play the old game, you don't actually have to show up a hundred percent because once you play the new game, the, you know, the playing your highest truth game, then you have to fully show up in every moment, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. It means presence. It means being willing to go in and feel, uh, feel your emotions. And it means being curious you know, not necessarily having a preconceived notion about what that is. And so it, it really is a stepping into the unknown, but the gifts of it are truly, I mean, it's the only, it's the gift, you know, it's the, the best gift you could possibly receive. Amen to that. Yeah. Let's talk about Gamma. Okay. So um, there's a lot of uh, brain nerds who listen to this podcast and, you know, that's awesome. I'm one, I'm sure you're one. And um, the awesome thing of looking at uh, the awesome thing about the intersection between science and the shamanic path, to me, it's like the most interesting thing in the world. Like I could just, and I'm sure it is for you as well, but where, where these two paths intersect allows us to have a particular form of information emerge. Um, and so let's talk a little bit about uh, your understanding of the altered states generated by some of the medicines that we've spoken about and the frequencies, the activity that's happening on, on neuroelectrical activity that's going on in the brain. Mm. So related to the gamma frequency, so the gamma frequency um, happens most specifically through 5-MeO-DMT and bufo alvarius being one of the forms that I'm most familiar with, the toad medicine. Um, and what happens is when you, um, when you have the initial, um, it's like the first 20 minutes of the experience, um, is this, this powerful transcendental state. Um, many people, what they call a full release experience, um, experience a, a sense of non-duality, as I said, like the drop merging back into the ocean. In that state, your gamma wave frequencies are in their highest amount of amplification. So what is gamma? Gamma is the feelings of oneness and connection. So when you look at someone that you see as attractive, whether you're flipping through Tinder, or if you look at a beautiful scene, you know, in nature where you're looking out at a sunset, you're going to have a, a, a spike in gamma wave frequency. And the higher amounts of gamma, there's even a form of super gamma mm -hmm. energy. And they find that monks who have you know, really anchored in high levels of gamma tend to achieve super gamma frequency or high gamma. They also call it high gamma frequency. Um, it basically, um, it's where you have the highest amount of memory recall, the highest amount of processing, your immune system functions in its optimal level. And, um, you have, like I said, it's the feelings of being blessed. Monks call it the feeling of being blessed. So this feeling of complete transcendence. And so um, the way that we maintain those levels of gamma 
is through these practices. Like I was talking about um, doing uh, acupuncture, doing flotation tank therapy, meditation. Um, some people even, you know, use their medicine practice, for instance, working with 5-MeO-DMT on maybe once every few months or once a month, maybe when they first initially start working with it as a way to really get the maximum benefits of really amplifying those those brainwave states. When you work with 5-MeO-DMT, not only does it open a bridge into high levels of gamma, but it allows you to access it easier after. So what many people experience is called reactivations, and those reactivations are when the um, state is coming without actually smoking um, the 5-MeO-DMT. So, and that's very common. Many people will experience it before they're going to bed or while they're in a meditation or even, you know, while they're in a flotation tank or getting um, acupuncture, they'll have like a full-on 5-MeO experience. Really interesting. So, this gamma uh, wave frequency. So, so what I've read about this. Um, so, let's talk about flow states and gamma. Okay. So, mm -hmm. everybody that's read uh, Kotler, Stephen Kotler's book, Rise of Superman, will understand that we have we spend a lot of our lives in beta brainwave state. So, in this sort of like mm -hmm. problem solving, analytical thinking state, and that we have the capacity to drop into alpha state, which is a, a pretty well known uh, state of uh, slowing down of sort of getting towards that peaceful state a lot of meditative states are in alpha state and then we have theta state and then there's this connection between there's something that happens according to Stephen Kotler and the I'm, not, I'm sure it's not him I'm sure it's this, a neuroscientist um, the borderline of alpha and theta as a connection is it with is is does gamma emerge as a paired frequency with with other frequencies is that alpha. The there's a yeah. little bit of, of alpha, which alpha is like really high learning. There's yeah. also alpha. You also have a really state of high learning with um, gamma frequency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So, so gamma frequency has, is basically being described as this state of oneness and interconnection. It's the, it's the, 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 the barriers of uh, separation and ego identity and, time and those those things are all down and yeah. when, when gamma frequency is there leaving us with the drop becoming the ocean as you so beautifully put it so my question is around and, and actually no i wanted to talk about you you brought it beautifully back into real into, into sort of like everyday life like meditation mm -hmm. float tanks and you talk talk to me about the connection between gratitude and coherence and gamma so with gamma frequency um it's this feeling of being blessed and it's this feeling of um there's no observer there's no because there's no ego there's there's no one managing there's no other voices you know we we have a lot of different um 
sometimes, you know, everyone is different, but usually it's through meditative practice that we, we clear it, but we, we can have a lot of these different operators in our mind that are, you know, like the protector or, you know, the analytical mind. Um, when you're in a state of gamma, there is none of that. You are just in your completeness. So there, it, it's all about this, this fullness and this connection. And so when you are in that state, there, can you ask the question? I apologize. Can you ask <laughs> That's the question? All right. I got too, I got a little bit too, uh, I apologize. No, 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 it's beautiful. The, there's a connection here between uh, the, the gamma state and, and, and actually feeling uh, this, this, this energy of gratitude uh, yeah. coherence and flow and and uh you described it beautifully before as as it's almost like the feeling of ultimate receptiveness you know yes so 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 i basically when when you when you're grateful mm. what happens is it's an instant grounding in presence mm. so it puts you in the present moment and when you remove that observer and you are in your fullness and you're in the state of openness. When you express gratitude on a metaphysical level, literally there's a energetic opening in the body. Your heart is open. All of your chakras are open. And what that does is it allows you to be in your optimal state of manifestation. Mm. So rather than you getting in the way of yourself, you're just allowing. And so the more that you can build authentic gratitude, so it's not like, oh, I'm so grateful that I have a car and that I have a job. And, you know, some people go into all those things. This is about like that complete emptiness, that, that idea that, you know, and the Buiti say life is a gift. So it's this idea that we're, we're canceling out all the entitlements. We're canceling out all of what's supposed to happen, all the attachments and just really, you know, honoring that moment. Mm, mm. Yeah. I love that. It's the image that just comes to mind when you talk is empty cup, full cup. And we can either live our lives as, as like a, an empty cup or a full cup. And the empty mm -hmm. cup just needs filling. So we, we, we need the pat on the back. We need the validation. We need the security, whatever that means. We need the, the safety. We need the choice. We need the comfort. We need all these things. And if I don't have these things, I'm not full. But mm -hmm. true, true gratitude is the embodiment of the fullness of the cup. It's so full that it's just starting to just tip that. You're getting that little beautiful curve on the edge of the cup. And then whew, this beautiful overflowingness. Yeah. And that's, that's it, isn't it? That's like the, the, that's the, that's the feeling of what you're, what you're describing. And just two nights ago, um, I camped out under the stars with a brother of mine. And we, we're running a retreat in, in June, um, a flow quest. And, and we wanted to drop into a visionary state to 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 vision it to to drop in and to to co-create it um in consciousness before creating it in reality and um we uh, you know we swam naked in the in the, in the water hole we we put our prayers out to the universe we asked for permission to to be there in this beautiful forest we mm -hmm. uh, created a fire and then when the when the time was was right we 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 had some um, some changa, some some DMT mixed in with sort of ayahuasca vines and, and different kind of like 
beautiful, beautiful medicines. And the and 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 we smoked that together. And there was a both of us when when we emerged from the the the, the real depth of our journey, both of us were just repeating over and over and over again. Thank you, universe. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And it was like this feeling of like the feeling that you described before of, of deep gratitude is 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 such a blissful whole state of being where it's like every single cell of my body was just oozing gratitude for this mm-hmm. beautiful, beautiful life that we're living. And it was that was that's that was the gift that I was putting out. And 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 obviously the visions that 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 came from that place of complete surrender and gratitude and thankfulness were just divine, you know, such a beautiful practice, such a beautiful practice. So let's talk about your, your, your work. I know that you've got, um, you, you, you hold retreats, you, you invite people to come along and you hold the space for, for deep journey work. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about, um, the retreats that you run? Yeah, so um, I have a, uh, I call it psychedelic journeys. And it's um, basically I do retreats about six times a year in just the most beautiful locations. And I was inspired, first of all, because of working with Crossroads. Um, It was on a lot of podcasts. And I had a lot of people asking me personally, where can I go to have these medicines and like a more natural experience instead of um, this clinic was located in Mexico, um, in Tijuana, actually, which is not the most uh, nature like environment. And um, so when I started doing retreats, the first place I started was Costa Rica. And just to be like in this nurturing environment when you're already going through like a really powerful transformational experience, which sometimes is not easy, but to have the best healthy food, to have just incredible surroundings and to just totally, you know, be drinking spring water, which is like attuned to be absorbed in all the cells in your body while you're just resetting your whole system is the best way I think to do the work. So um, I've just been creating these experiences to really help people have a safe way of working with these powerful medicines, mostly the 5-MeO, DMT, the toad medicine, and the um, iboga are primarily the two that I do a lot of uh, retreat work with, although I do do some retreats with peyote and and other medicines as well. And, um, you know, I look at some of the retreats, um, you know, and they're great, beautiful experiences, like, for instance, going in the middle of the jungles of Peru. But for someone like you, who's like a real camper, I'm sure you can handle the woods. That's great. For some people, they're thinking, oh, my God, I feel like I'm on the Survivor show and I don't want to be on that show, you know. So I want to make sure um, to have something for those people, a place that if someone really wanted to take their mom to have an experience with them, they could. And and they would feel really good and, and comfortable. Mm, beautiful. So they sound like really comfortable, um, an element of luxury perhaps, um, and a real safe space. That's, that's, the, that's the feeling that I'm getting here, a safe place yeah. to explore. So I know that um, these plant medicines, um, and this is an important point, right, the, the contextualizing of medicine work within a broader tapestry of self-awareness practices. 
Okay, so like a lot of people that I speak to um, have this thing where that they 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 decide to look at the medicine work as extreme, and um, and obviously I understand where they're coming from, and for me, it's the benefits of that, that I see other human beings and myself deriving from medicine work are directly in proportion to the, the context of self-awareness work that's going on as well. Um, I don't think that's always the case. I'm sure that you could take someone to meet the toad, for example, who's never meditated, who's never, who's, who's, who's never put a prayer out, who's never practiced gratitude. And I'm sure that they would have a unity consciousness experience. And that's, possibly the potency of one of the potencies of this medicine. But I've also witnessed people coming to San Pedro ceremonies, peyote ceremonies, ayahuasca ceremonies who do no work and they come along and they either get their ass kicked or they just get locked into their mind or they have an experience that just hovers on the shallow. Um, So can you talk to me a little bit about, first of all, about your broader context because i know that you have deep wisdom when it comes to lots of things including tantra including meditation and and what you've witnessed in the in the lives of the the clients and the people that you've seen as well in regards to this topic well first of all i have to say medica- uh, meditation is essential for everyone um i do feel that all of the integrative practices are like the foundation of the roots of all of this, because there's no way you can go into a psychedelic or plant medicine experience and expect it to do all the work, like to do all the heavy lifting. This is something that you add in addition to your daily practices, whether that's meditation or breath work or you know maybe it's flotation tank therapy, whatever it is that you do. And I like to... I created this this term, I call it the neo-shamanic medicine wheel. So it's this idea that now we're, we're in this merging of all of these different cultures coming together, this melting pot where you have, you can access ayahuasca and iboga while you can do Buddhist meditation and kundalini yoga. And so what are these modalities that fit well together and what modalities are really the best for integrating this work. Uh, For instance, you know, if you are doing a lot of holotropic breath work and you're doing powerful psychedelics, you're doing a lot of different, what I would call fire um, practices. Fire means like bringing up a lot of energy. For instance, Kundalini actually, uh, yoga brings up a lot of fire energy. If you do too much, and you're doing psychedelics as well, you can you can have a spiritual crisis. You can have a breakdown because what's happening is that trauma is stored in our bodies and we're meant to like bring it up and it's actually our gift. So we transmute that into creative power. And so when you bring up a lot of it at once, what happens is you, there's just too much energy energy to digest. And it's like, imagine a beach ball submerged underwater. All of a sudden you have all these different beach balls that are like popping up. And so the best way to do things is really doing that integrative approach. And I, I when I see people that are doing a lot of medicine, 
it, it, it's a little surprising to me because I've never been in a medicine ceremony where the medicine didn't tell me what to integrate and, and that I needed to integrate. So I don't know if maybe they're getting the information, but they're not actually doing the pieces that, you know, they don't, maybe they don't want to do it. Maybe they don't know how to do it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, Mm. Yeah, I do really feel that um, there are so, I mean, first of all, if you're doing um, this level of work, you should be working with somebody, whether it's a coach, a really great psychedelic um, psychologist, but someone that can have a reflection because whether it's holotropic breath work, whether it's, um, you know, taking psilocybin mushrooms we're working with the ego and the ego is so good at playing games and making distortions. So we can even create a story that we're doing the work and actually be like kind of skirting around or spiritual bypassing certain things. So I really do believe that each person should have a person who is, you know, in service, knowing that this person is, is in service, can offer true reflection, whether it's a coach or a psychologist or somebody that can be a mirror for them so that if there are any distortions that come up, that they can kind of work through that with that person. Mm. Thank you so much for that. And I agree. And we would have had elders in different cultural settings uh, to help us along this path. Um, yeah. So I, I really agree that if you're approaching this work and it's, this is deep, deep, deep stuff that we're dealing with here. Um, and it really is a powerful thing to get a, a support crew, which could well involve a coach. Um, that's amazing. Thank you so much, Trisha. We're going to leave it there. We've covered so many amazing things from float tanks to drumming to iboga to peyote to neo-shamanic medicine wheels to toads in the Sonoran deserts to addictions, to tryptamine cascade effects. You've been an absolute uh, gem, uh, a goldmine of, of beautiful um, information. Thank you so much for joining me on this, on this exploration. Thank you. It was an honor. I loved hearing your story. <laughs> Thank you so much. Anytime. Thank you for coming on the show. Wow. That was such an amazing conversation with Trisha. I knew it was going to be whenever I get to jam out and geek out with fellow flow connoisseurs who walk the inner path with such commitment, I know that I'm going to have an amazing conversation. I love the way we talked about gamma frequency. Um, So the gamma frequency has often been spoken about in regards to studies done with deep, deep, deep meditators. So we're talking like the Tibetan monks who have trained since the age of five to achieve deep states through four hours of meditation a day for a time this gamma frequency was sort of like this bolt from the blue what is this thing going on in their brain what is this frequency and to hear how it's been um, connected with the states of consciousness that are achieved when one takes five meo dmt which I've just taken once, but let me just tell you, it's an absolutely, I felt like the drop of ocean, the drop of water that merged with the ocean. It cannot describe it any other way. It was a unity consciousness experience. I literally became the universe. I became one with everything. It was interconnection at its finest. And to learn that the possibility of that state exists within my brain, exists within my body. Yes, I was using an exogenous or an external substance to achieve that state. But to realize that 
it's endogenous. This substance, this DMT is endogenous. It's in my body. The potential to have gamma brainwaves is endogenous. It's in my body. So the capacity to achieve these states of pure enlightenment, that's what this is. Pure enlightenment. That's what all the monks and mystics of thousands of years ago were talking about. They were talking about this state of unity consciousness. It's in all of our bodies. It's all of our potential. It's our birthright. And to hear the connection between gratitude, coherence, and flow in this, this state of absolute service and awe and wonder and receiving. Oh, man. It made the, the hairs on the back of my neck tingle because I've been in this state a lot recently. It's a state of absolute awe. And um, it gives me great joy to realize that some of the work and the practices that I do are almost like creating a groove in my consciousness. So it's going to, it's the more work I do, the more work you do, it's going to become easier and easier and easier for your consciousness to gain familiarity with that state of unity, with that state of wholeness. And wholeness is what we're all craving for. <laughs> you know that. You listen to the show. It ain't the million bucks. It ain't the pat on the back. That's just ego food. What we really want, what our higher selves is craving for, is wholeness. If you want to check out more about uh, Trisha's work, go to psychedelicjourneys.com. The show notes are going to contain all the links. She's got a retreat coming up in Ibiza at the end of May. She's got another one in Costa Rica coming up. I'm going to drop her a note and say, let's collaborate. So if you want to jump on a psychedelic journey flow state retreat, keep in touch. For now, if you just want a quick framework to get in flow, I created a four-step system. It's actually based on the medicine wheel. It's based on the four stages of flow. It's based on the four elements, and it's based on the four minds, as articulated by Carl Jung. Wow, that's a lot of fours. But I created a system called the flow formula, which I use and which my clients use to get into flow states on demand, to drop into visionary states, to come out of distraction and out of overwhelm, out of anxiety, out of frustration, out of anger, and into Resonance, coherence, flow, gratitude, receptivity, joy, awe. If you want that system, go to flowstate.co forward slash get in flow and you'll get it sent to you. If you want to book a call in with me, just look out for the video that's going to pop up. It's going to invite you to book in a 15 minute call with me. If you're a founder, if you're an entrepreneur, you're most welcome to take up 15 minutes of my time. We'll talk about Flowstate X and other ways that Flowstate can help you and your company get into flow. That's it for now. Please tune in for the next episode of the Flow State Performance Podcast coming to you next week. Sending you much love. Thanks for listening to the Flow State Performance Podcast. Check us out at www.flowstateperformance.com for more inspiration to unleash your potential.